Hey, I'm Bobby. And I'm Matthew. And today, we'll be discussing the pros and cons of critical race theory in the classroom. Before we start explaining the main differences on critical race theory, let us first understand what critical race theory is. In simple terms, critical race theory tries to understand how racism has shaped U.S. laws and how those laws still affect people of color today. So this theory tries to show the relationship between American racism and American laws, but where does that fit into the classroom? Educators across the U.S. have expanded their curriculum on racial inequality by including lessons that highlight the difficulty of people of color experiences in the United States. These types of lesson plans would be restricted under a critical race theory ban from the government. So what are the supporters of critical race theory saying? Supporters believe that critical race theory should be integrated into students' U.S. civics and history lessons. They believe that lessons should address systemic racism in our country, and history lessons should include the experiences of marginalized people. Supporters say discussing race creates more inclusive schools and helps students overcome systemic barriers restricting their achievement. So what was the reason Florida and other states ban critical race theory in the classroom? Opposers of critical race theory say teachers are trying to rewrite history and should not consider race when interacting with students. Opposers also believe that racism is the product of hateful individuals, not the product of the American system. Republican lawmakers claim that critical race theory would promote division, negativity, and shame in identifying as an American. This issue is one that has many perspectives, but now we'd like to shift the conversation to you. With the evidence you just heard, what do you think about critical race theory? Are you passionate about social and environmental justice? Always wanting to solve the world's big problems? The Social Impact Hub at Rollins College is here to help you create solutions. The Social Impact Hub is a creative space on the Rollins College campus that provides tools and resources to support you addressing local and global social issues. With a new design lab where you can come together with other passionate people to engage in innovation and active change making, there is no limit to what you can achieve. To find out more, head on over to... Welcome back, you guys. In today's show, we're going to be discussing critical race theory. We're going to explain what critical race theory is, why it's important, what's happening with the critical race theory ban in Florida and other states, as well as having an amazing guest share their thoughts. But before we get into the topic, Matthew, would you mind explaining what Impact Now's mission is? Of course. The Impact Now radio show's goal is to take complex topics that affect the world and explain them in a very simple way. Most importantly, we tell you different ways you can make a positive impact now. Perfectly said. Um, so as we said, today we're going to be discussing the critical race theory ban in Florida. But before we begin, we should define some terms that will be coming up a lot in this episode. Critical race theory, or CRT, arose out of the legal tradition in the U.S. in the aftermath of the 1960s civil rights movement. CRT considers many of the same issues that conventional civil rights and ethnic studies take up, but places them in a broader perspective that includes economics, history, and even feelings and the unconsciousness. Unlike traditional civil rights, which embraces incrementalism and step-by-step -step progress, critical race theory questions the foundations of the system we live in, asking, how can we solve the root of our problem? Perfectly explained, Bobby. CRT focuses on institutional racism, with institutional racism being the ways in which institutional policies and practices create different outcomes for different racial groups. Its core idea is that race is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. 
The basic tenets of critical race theory, or CRT, as we said before, emerged from a framework for legal analysis in the late 1970s and early 1980s. It was created by legal scholars Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, and Richard Delgado, among others. It's important to recognize though, that one of the underlying tenets of CRT, the idea that we as people have intersectional identities, is one that's been explored for centuries, particularly in black feminist thought. For example, Sojourner Troop's famous speech, Ain't I a Woman, given in 1851, discusses Troop's Fox and her intersectional identity as both a black woman and what it means to exist in the intersections of blackness and womanhood. Now that we've discussed the basics of CRT, let's dive into what is happening in Florida and other states with bans on teaching it in schools. On July 26, the Florida State Board of Education introduced a new rule for public schools and required topics that must be taught with this rule, stating that instruction on the required topics must be factual and objective, and may not suppress or distort significant historical events. This rule continues by giving examples of theories that distort historical events and states, quote, um, and states, quote, the teaching of critical race theory, meaning the theory that racism is not merely the product of prejudice, but that racism is embedded in American society and its legal systems in order to uphold the supremacy of white persons. This bang on teaching CRT in public schools here in Florida is an example of a panic spreading across the U.S. about how history and race are taught about in public schools. For example, a school district in Pennsylvania, the Central York High School District, is facing protests by students and other concerned individuals after the all-white school board unanimously banned a list of educational resources that included a children's book about Rosa Parks, Malala Yousafzai's autobiography, and CNN's Sesame Street Town Hall on Racism. Likewise, in Texas, a new law, HB 3979, went into effect earlier this month that restricts discussions about race and history in schools. So now that we've looked at all of that, Bobby, what do you think about critical race theory and just what's happening in Florida and other states in general? Well, I think that it definitely is, um, it, it, it's an insane issue. I, I think that first, in order to like talk about this, we have to discuss education. I, I, I mean, like I know myself, I had a lot of my education in Florida, um, like from K through, or not K, from, from like first grade all the way till senior year of high school, um, I learned in the U.S. education system. And like being in it, you kind of realize that there are some things that are left out of history. Maybe there's some things that are included. You, you know, like there's like this difference of like, you don't really know what you don't know until you learn it. But what, what about you? So for me, like, so I'm an international student, right? And so like I'm, where I'm from the Bahamas, like, race and like the talk about race has been like something that was like core to my education like from probably like k3 or whatever like we started learning about like just like you know it was like an age appropriate talk about like race and what that means because it's like really wrapped up in the history of like where i'm from and just like the world in general and so like my like teachers thought it was important that we have that conversation right but i also know that there are people both like at home and in the United States, right, who talk about, like, the fact that maybe, like, race as, like, a concept or, like, racism and what's happening shouldn't be talked about in schools and shouldn't be talked about to students, right? Like, maybe, like, something that should be left to families and left for, like, personal decisions. No, no, absolutely. But, I I mean, like, in your history class, like, like, you know, you mentioned that you're an international student, but in your history class, did you feel as if you had a complete history? I would say, I mean... Obviously, like, his, like any history class is going to be biased, right? Like, we're gonna, and it's, 
it's supposed to be a broad overview. It's not going to, like, completely give you every single thing, right? There is, like, a level of you need to, like, go outside, like, do some work. But I think that, for me at least, it was a pretty good overview. Like, I feel like we touched upon, like, a lot of things, and it gave me a lot of opportunities to be like, oh, I didn't think about this thing before. Maybe I should go, like, research and, like, learn about it a little more, you know? And I know, at least in my experience, like, having talked to, like, uh, like U.S. students, I know that, like, sometimes I'll mention things that, like, me and other international students think about as being just, like, common knowledge. And then, like, certain, like, U.S. students will be like, oh, I didn't even know that. We didn't learn that in history. And I'm just, like, really surprised every time. No, absolutely. Well, I, I think that in regards to critical race theory and education, that becomes the topic of debate. Not should it be allowed, but to what extent should we allow it of like, okay, there's so much history and, you know, there's so, like, like if we start expanding what we have to teach, then it, then it's like, okay, well, what should we teach? You know, should we teach about, um, I, I guess, like, what topics are, like, mo most important to teach uh, to, to be the most inclusive in a history class? Because, you know, obviously some people, they go, well, we should teach about the Tulsa massacre and we should teach about Juneteenth. But then it's like, well, then we should also be teaching about, um, you know, the Hispanic Revolution movement and we should be teaching about what's going on in different countries. So, so is, should that become the conversation or, like, uh, like, 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 how do you feel about that? Like, like, what topics should we be putting in a history class? I think that, like, at least, like, for my understanding, like, I feel like when it comes to, like, U.S., like, racial history, like, I feel like it very much goes, like, independence, um, like, the country, like, the U.S. was founded, and then we get into, um, like, slavery, like, occurred, right? And then, like, depending on, like, where you are, they talk about, like, different waves of immigration, um, and then from there, right, like, I think it's, like, really interesting because normally it goes to, we have Abraham Lincoln, he's, like, freeing enslaved people, and after that, like, we skip ahead a couple, like, centuries, right, like, a century or two, right, and then we get into the civil rights movement of the 1960s, 1970s, and then um, after that we go to, like, Barack Obama becomes president, and that's it, right? I don't really think that Depend, uh, and obviously this depends on like where you are and where you're coming from, but I think that especially like here in Florida when you consider like the amount of like history tied into race like is like a part of like Floridian history, right? I think it's like really interesting that that is not spoken about. No, absolutely. Like I, I couldn't agree more. I um I think that it, it definitely is one of those topics where it's like as I said, it shouldn't be a matter of like should we be including in, in education? It's to what extent are we doing it? And um, I mean, there, there's plenty of questions that stem from that, because I think that any good issue in politics has to, you know, it has to have like this long list of questions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully if we do our show correctly, we'll be answering as many of those questions as possible, or at least discussing those questions. Uh, but I, I definitely agree with you that, that in terms of like Florida history, in terms of American history, there's just so much to cover. Um, but it's so tough to figure out what should we teach our students in that K through 12 time frame that we have. And then more, most importantly is like, when are they allowed to learn about this racial injustice? Like, like, would it be okay for us to teach a kindergartner about a racial injustice that happened in America? And, you know, if we aren't teaching kindergartners, when does that age become appropriate? You know, when does that grade begin that we are able to, to teach them? Definitely. Like, I think it's like a really interesting concept, like the idea of like age in relation to like, race talks, right? Like, talking about race, like, especially in school, because, like, depending on, like, your, like, phenotype, right, like, what you look like, um, and, like, depending on, like, your race, right, like, you have, depending on who you are, like, you've been racialized from a very young age, 
right? And so, like, if you're, like, a person of color, right, and, like, you are, like, very visibly so, right, like, you're not particularly, like, um, white passing, you don't really get to, like, grow up and exist not having, like, thinking about race, right? Like, it's, like, very much a privilege to be able to, like, go through life and not really need to think about, like, race or how you relate to other people racially until, like, it, say, comes up in school or, like, like something happens in the news, right? Because, like, when you're, like, young and say you're, like, black or Latino or, like, Asian, right? Like, you can very visible, you can, like, very visibly see, like, the differences between you and, like, say you're, you're, like, white classmates, right? And so, like, and also depending on, like, your family, your family may be having those conversations. And so I think it's a really interesting, like, nuanced take on, like, where do we, like, fit in all of these people that school is meant to include, you know? No, absolutely. Um, I mean, like, like I said, there's, like, this whole discussion on the topic, but... Yeah, like, I think that in today's show, we should definitely dive in to what age becomes at appropriate age. Um, and obviously, most of today's show is going to be opinion-based. Um, we really just implore our audience to listen to us, listen to those varying opinions. If you hear something that you disagree with, please, like, listen on to it. Try and understand that viewpoint. And if you hear something that you agree with, then I suppose that's that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> because then we're confirming what you already believe in. But... Like in in impact now, like one of the biggest things that we hope for for our audience is that they'll listen to these political discussions or they'll listen to our show topics and they'll find something that they a didn't know or maybe that they disagreed with, um, you know, because I think that that will be our our kind of meter of how 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 much progress has been made. Either way, we have a very, very fantastic show planned for today. Uh, we have an amazing guest that's going to be coming back. Uh, we have uh, coming back after our music, and we also have a really, really great playlist. Um, Matthew made it himself, so I already know it's like it's going to be the best playlist. Well, that's, that's a bit high, but hopefully you all enjoy it. No, no, I know, I know you will. Either way, we will be back with our guests with more political discussion, and stay tuned. Are you passionate about social and environmental justice? Always wanting to solve the world's big problems? The Social Impact Hub at Rollins College is here to help you create solutions. The Social Impact Hub is a creative space on the Rollins College campus that provides tools and resources to support you addressing local and global social issues. With a new design lab where you can come together with other passionate people to engage in innovation and active change making, there is no limit to what you can achieve. To find out more, head on over to at Rollins Social Impact Hub on Instagram for more info. And we are back. I hope that you enjoyed that song. It's by like one of my favorite new artists, Yola. Um, I'm just hoping that you're enjoying the music and the conversation all together. But like Bobby said, we're going to have a really great discussion. We have a really amazing guest in the studio. Um, they're a student at Rollins, Kelsey Eelman. They are a senior, a bugging journalistic personality featured in the Orlando Sentinel, um, and a really amazing debater, and just a really great individual to talk about these kinds of things. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are y'all today? Great, great, yeah, Bobby. Doing well. Doing well. Yeah. Doing well? Can't yeah. complain. I mean, I have homework today, so <laughs> like that's that's always a bummer. But other than that, I think today's a pretty good day. Yeah, either way, I think that, um, you know, before you got here, we were talking about critical race theory. We were talking about how critical race theory is kind of that, it, it, it's that like trying to attempt to figure out how racism and U.S. law intersect with one another. Um, and then our discussion kind of led to, 
you know, like, like, how do we feel about it? Like Matthew and I's personal opinion, um, our educational background. So where did we go to school? Um, and we, we led into like a multitude of things, but w what we really want to get from you is, uh, for, for the first part is just, what are your thoughts on critical race theory? Um, you know, on the ban that's happening in Florida, uh, you, you know, just give us a brief idea of what you feel about that. I find this whole conversation about critical race theory in the United States and critical race theory on like an educational scale very interesting because it was something that you wouldn't encounter in education until like graduate level courses or something of that nature. So I find it almost ironic that that was like the hill that the ultra conservative chose to die on because it didn't really exist in the classroom <laughs> at all until they decided to start banning it in the classroom. And I think that there should be some level of education for K through 12 youth regarding like systematic injustice and unconscious bias in the United States. Like I think it's very important or at least an accurate picture of like US history that isn't given, especially like in the South. But when it comes to actual critical race theory, that's not what they're banning from classrooms. So I just, again, find this like equivocation on what critical race theory actually looks like in this conflation really interesting and I find the way that they're trying to put it into law even more interesting like the ban itself that they're trying to enact well, so, well do, do you feel as if you know because many people who don't support this ban um say that this is an impediment on our first amendment right of freedom of speech or, or at least to some capacity saying that you can't teach critical race theory in schools is an impediment on the freedom of speech right do you feel that that's in some to some extent true i feel like academic free speech doesn't exist in a k-12 through curricula in the same way that it exists um in like higher education mm -hmm. um there's actually just well, well this this does actually apply to some higher education um institutions in some states yeah i have seen like in other states that it exists but i just think that there is like a difference first to like the academic free speech that might exist in like a k-12 through classroom versus well I don't, it doesn't exist but versus <laughs> academic free speech um on a college campus so what's funny is that i've never actually even considered it from the perspective of this is um you know impeding first amendment rights because for me that doesn't even feel like the biggest issue here um i think it's more about like what's actually happening underneath and what it's saying about our lawmakers and their feelings about American people, that's actually more concerning. Yeah, I think, like, definitely, like, when I think about the nature of, like, both, like, free speech in a classroom, right, and just, like, the nature of critical race theory being, like, taught on the whole, right, like you said, until earlier this year, late last year, right, like, critical race theory was something that only, like, legal academics, maybe, like, some other people in certain, like, other, like, people to like discuss and talk about like maybe like philosophy and stuff like that right like it wasn't like this was something that like the general public or even like like the general like academic community was really discussing in depth and part of me feels like this like crt when it comes to like lawmaking has or just like legislation in general really has become a bit of like a dog whistle right like it's just like ooh, crt is in schools like we need to like bang it we need to like get it out and it's just like what like you said like what actually is being taught in there that would come under the umbrella of CRT, right? Because, like, just talking about, like, civil rights or, like, talking about, like, say, institutional or, like, systemic racism, like, these are not concepts that are, like, solely based on, like, critical race theory principles, right? Like, it's not, like, I don't think that anybody in third grade is reading, like, Kimberly Crenshaw's, like, 
legal treatises and stuff like that, right? So it's like really interesting. No, absolutely. I um, I definitely feel that. Yeah, you're right. Like that that probably isn't the biggest issue with it. There's there's many more issues surrounding it. But I did think it was an interesting take on like, well, like how can you ban us from teaching real history? Um, but that actually is a great segue into critical race theory and the foundation of it. And I think the most like the most foundational question you can ask is, is what do you feel, where do you feel racism comes from? Of like, is it like critical race theory says that racism does in fact come from the American system or from, you know, the systems in place from society? Or does racism come from an individual's hate slash bias? So, so where, where do you think that that comes from? And, and remember, this is all opinion based. Um, so you're more than welcome to disagree. That was to the audience. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about where racism has come from and trying to parse out an answer for like the better part of my academic career because that's something that was never discussed. You assumed racism was a hate between an individual and another individual based on skin color. That's what you're taught racism is. Even if you maybe went to a high school or school that has better educational ideas on how we should discuss history. But I know that like, I, my first idea that I've come to is that racism, like racism is socially constructed. Socially constructed then is going to have to mean that there's multiple people involved. You can't have, well, you really can't have a social construct between two individuals who happen to share a hatred for one another. Mm -hmm. So that's like my first thing there. Racism is socially constructed. Um, my like second thing is that social construction is somewhat flimsy until you put it into law. So the social construct and I also, by the way, like another caveat is I believe racism heavily relies on a power structure and not just hatred. There's a power dynamic and differential between people of color and specifically black people and then white people. They've created a power dynamic that is uneven in favor of white people and then put that into some actual black letter law as it's gone forward. I definitely think it's there's a heavier emphasis on it in like Western legal systems, which have all also been influenced by the United States and the UK and the like, you know, fun flavors of colonialism that have then spread it across the rest of the world. But yeah, social construction gets a lot more powerful when you put it into law. So I don't think racism comes from law. I think racism was weaved into the law. And I think racism is a power differential and not just individual hatred, but that's how it manifests in our daily lives. So, so in, in a way, it's like racism comes before the system. The system only strengthens it. I don't think or, that they, there's like, a, this is a chicken and the egg. No, no, I, they no, came I know it together. is. Like, like, it absolutely is. I, I, yeah, I don't think necessarily racism came first because humans didn't really exist without some type of power structure or some type of hierarchical structure. And then it just became codified as um, language became used. So I think that they just are two things that happened at a similar time and went into the system together. Like, and if you look at more foundational documents, like if you read the US Constitution, um, there's very clear racist undertones. Um, like in like the Article 1, Section 9, they discuss that you can't ban, ban like you can't ban slave trade until 1808. Like they had to put a caveat in it's like, hey, we know it's gonna bother people, so we have to like specifically write it down that we're not going to touch your ability to trade slaves until the year 1808. And that's not in an amendment, that's in the first article, section nine. So race, even though they didn't specifically mention the race of the people they're enslaving, I mean, it became very clear that documents are built 
with some types of ways to include the systemic racism into the system from the beginning. Definitely, like I've that makes me think about like the nature of right, like raglining things like that, right? Like these are things that have histor- like historically like happened, say like with or without like say a legislative push, and then eventually they become like codified into law, right? And so I think that when you think about like critical race theory, like as a concept and the way it tackles the fact that this is like a bigger, deeper, and bigger issue, right? Like, I th- like you said, like, I think it's really important that, like, we as a society are starting to experience that shift, right? Like, a lot of, like, the general public and, like, a lot of us are starting to say, okay, maybe I grew up thinking that, like, this was an individual thing, right? Like, it's like, one person, this particular person is racist, or, like, this particular person did something racist, right? But now we're all starting to think, like, okay, how are, how is, like, the system and the world we live in, right? Like, how is that being influenced by racism, right? Because if we know that, like, people do, ra- if we assume that people do racist things, right, and, like, we have enough of them, like, in power, and then we assume that those people in power are making laws and that will then influence things, like, how are we able to change those things, right? And I think that as much, like, as we've pointed out before, right, like, CRT, in and of itself, is not being taught in schools, but I think that, like, this conversation around it, I think is really important to be like, okay, like, what is happening? Because before you got here, we were talking about the fact that in Pennsylvania, their current, um, the Central York like high school district is currently like um, placing like a bang on certain like race related like books and topics, right? Like Malala Yousafzai's autobiography, like um, books about like Rosa Parks and stuff like that, right? And so like it really makes you think, what are like what is that school board trying to bang, right? Because like what is the implicit assumption you're supposed to be getting from like reading things like that and like doing like certain activities and things of that nature. Well, that's actually a fantastic segue of, do you think, you know, we're obviously talking about how there's a system in place, it kind of solidifies this idea of racism, and we've established that. What do you think critical race theory in schools will do? Do do you think that's actually going to help the issue? Do you think that it'll probably hinder the issue as opposers say, you know, that it will create this divided America? Like, Like, what extent does this critical race theory actually solve the issue rather than hurt it? I don't necessarily think that critical race theory is going to solve political... But, but, but like, do you think it's a solution? Like, obviously, it's, it's not a fix-all, but is it a solution? I don't think it's a solution. I don't think critical race theory is going to, like, solve political polarization based on racial lines in the United States. What I think is helpful, though, to young people or could be helpful in their like educational career, it's going to be slightly uncomfortable at the time because you're young and you're having conversations that you didn't think you were going to have. And your parents are then going to have to field the questions coming from these conversations. But there's no solutions with comfort. There's no good, lasting, comfortable solution. So I think having question, like discussions about um, like bias in the classroom and the fact that our systems are biased. Um, racial injustice in our justice system because kids are taking civics courses and um, kids are going into like then eventually AP government or taking these classes that are foundational to your understanding of how you as a citizen and as an atom operate within the system. It's very important, but it's going to be really uncomfortable at first because for all the black students or students of color, this is just a fact of your existence that you were taught in the home to understand that people are going to view you a different way. But then to have your white peers then confronted with it, it's going to be an uncomfortable process. But I, again, I don't think it's going to show up in at least K through 12 education in the way that's going to be so uncomfortable that it would be problematic to the point of necessitating a ban. So that's where I just 
think it's interesting. Definitely. I think that what you're saying about, like, solutions and, like, thinking about, like, these processes, right? Like, it's not comfortable, and I definitely agree. Like, and I also think, like, this is something that's been talked about a lot in, like, um, like race, like, um, like social justice and stuff, like, circles, is that, like, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Like, if you're going to be willing to grow and willing to change, right, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Obviously not to the extent, like, it's detrimental, Right. And so, like, obviously, when we're talking about, like, being in schools, like, that's the ways in which, like, these conversations happen, like, certain things, right, like, may have, will be, like, modulated for, like, different ages, right? But, like, it's okay to be uncomfortable with the knowledge that, like, at the end of this process, like, there is going to be, like, growth and there is, like, an ability and a chance for healing, right? Like, I think, like, that's also, like, an important thing to talk about is, like, not just, like, are we having these conversations in schools, but, like, are schools than becoming places where like these conversations can be had and there is a space for like healing and like the kinds of necessary work to be done that help both like teachers students and parents and really just like a community basis for like moving forward in like the ways in which the world works right no yeah and um yeah i i couldn't agree more but but i do think that you know in regards to critical race theory because obviously with this whole thing, it's not they're trying to teach critical race theory in class in the classroom. Um, you know, if we haven't made it clear, they're they're taking these critical race theory ideas um, and putting them into the classroom in ways of like, well, our history should include more represent more represented. Geez, that's such a tough word. Representative history um, of different marginalized groups um, or civics lessons that explain uh, you know how laws came to be. So so that that's what we mean when we say critical race theory in the classroom, but. We, Matthew and I, we kind of briefly touched over this, but I kind of want to expand on this topic more. Is like, when should race be taught to, a, like, like, at what age is it appropriate to teach a kid about race? What age is it appropriate for a kid to know about their their, their country's, I guess, murky past? Like, like, at what age do you think that that would be, or what grade um, do you think that that would be permissible to do? I actually might have like a controversial take but i think that maybe that's what we like on this show <laughs> I, mean, I, th I think questions of diversity and representation should be brought in as early as possible if your child is re reading a book or having a book read to them there needs to be some level of representational like equity amongst authors and subjects and also like having those conversations where you can establish in the same way that you teach very very young children to be nice to one another let them understand that they need to be nice to everybody. So I think in that way, because I know that diversity training is often lumped in with these critical race theory bans. So question, like the word in several like Republican circles, they think like the word diversity is bad. They're scared of talking about diversity. So I think it's interesting to me. And I think that very young children should be taught to accept diversity because at a very young age, children usually aren't predisposed to certain types of biases. So to make sure that you also foster the good behaviors when it comes to and foster the good ideas in very young children, it's great. When it comes to these more critical topics about the like sordid past of the United States and how terrible it was, that needs to come in as soon as they're being taught history because it is the history. Like we say this, like we can separate race from the conversation and we can separate diversity and compassion from the conversation, but you can't. If they are reading and learning, those are things they need to read and learn. It's actually just terrible that they have somehow managed to keep them out of those conversations so then you have a very desensitized group of students who don't think that those things exist and then as soon as someone brings it up 
say they get to a college campus or something and somebody starts having conversations about race, they then think it's like politicized or or controversial when it's really just a fact of existence that we have now sadly had to deal with. Um, and people have seen it in their daily lives. And again, I also mentioned for like black students or for students of color, you have to have those conversations as soon as you are conscious or else you can't navigate the world that you're in. So I think it's a extreme privilege that people get to decide when certain students and by certain students, I mean students who are white are exposed to those conversations. So I honestly think early, it's just you have to, again, moderate the level of conversation you're having. But again, that's my current opinion. No, no, that's fair. But but I think that that raises kind of like this interesting question of like, is there any fear in your mind that if you do teach a young kid about a country's um, you, you know past that, that may not be so pleasant, or are you scared in any way that you would be raising a future generation of kids who despise their country, who maybe don't have that that same pride that they would if they didn't know those things? You, you know, like like, do you think that the country's very future would be at stake if we started teaching them younger, like the bad stuff that we did? Do we value national pride over um, basic human respect for individuals that we have wronged and continue to wrong? I don't think that you should be necessarily like you shouldn't put one over the other and you shouldn't look for complacency and false stability when people of color are now like being killed and having their lives destroyed by a system that wasn't built for them. So I think that you can be proud of the work you're doing as a nation to become better and to actually accept everyone who lives in that nation or everyone who is coming here to be part of this nation versus it's it's like the issue i had with like certain political slogans were like or not slogans logans and slogans Slo <laughs> slogans slogans and logan it is oh in the my morning. gosh uh, those two words are too work. similar but basically um they they were trying to talk as if we had something to be extremely proud of in the past but again they're just erasing certain parts and then picking and choosing what they want to be proud of i think america can be proud of its diversity and the um, mixture of viewpoints that we have in this country, but also we need to have certain certain allowances for actual human respect. So I think, I don't think we should be afraid of what critical race theory is going to do to the future, right? Like, and again, criti like critical race theory and square, like scare quotes. Um, I don't think we should be afraid of what critical race theory is going to do to the youth, but I think we should be excited for a group of people who actually understand our country, our legal system, the wrongs that have been committed and the wrongs that are like still being committed and hopefully looking for real solutions to fix them. As you mentioned solutions earlier, because you can't find solutions without knowing there's a problem. Definitely. I think like that's a really great point. And unfortunately we are running out of time, but it's been a really great conversation with you, Kelsey. And we hope that for all of you listening that you've enjoyed the conversation, we're going to have some great music and we're just going to like wrap up in a little bit but we really appreciate you coming out to the studio well, actually actually wait one last thing before we go okay um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the show's not gonna end until 11 actually no um we still end at 10 but the last question is just for anybody listening um you know who isn't a part of the youth maybe they're our age maybe they're a little bit older what can they do um if they do believe that critical race theory ideas should be taught in the classroom like like how can they help rather than hurt I think reading up on certain types of educational initiatives like the 1619 Project and looking into actual like unconscious bias training and things like that can be helpful. 
And also, again, like in the state of Florida, if you're looking to possibly have some type of like legislative sway, currently the critical race theory ban came from the Department of Education, which is a rule. So it's not actually in Florida law yet. So the rule only exists as this current iteration of the Florida Department of Education exists, and it is an appointed group of people. So they're appointed by our governor. Though our legislative session is about to begin in the state of Florida, and there's rumors and talk that a critical race theory ban is going to make it to the legislator. So then you now finally have the opportunity to bother your representatives in the state of Florida for those living around Rollins on Escamani as our great representative. So there's now opportunities for more voices to be heard in the discussion in Florida, whereas before it kind of happened in like backroom dealings and then came to the forefront. So if you think that education should be more inclusive in the state of Florida, at least you now have opportunities to voice that opinion. Otherwise, just educating yourself before you then speak on the education of others. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And and now we can. Uh, <laughs> we. I, I just want to get in that last little little bit. <laughs> so Matthew, let's uh, close out before a music. Well, music break. Then we'll close out. Yeah, definitely. So, like I was saying, <laughs> I hope we really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you so much for that last point. And yeah, we're gonna have some music now, and we'll be back. Do you have a social enterprise you want to get off the ground? Looking for guidance for your great idea? Check out the Impact Incubator by the Rollins College Social Impact Hub. The Impact Incubator is a mentor and workshop-led program run each semester that helps student teams receive guidance and funding to pilot or launch a social enterprise idea. Teams are equipped with resources, networks, and actionable steps for turning ideas into impact-generating business models. Check out at Rollins Impact Incubator on Instagram for more info. Wait, was I hearing things, or did that song say I hate the winter? No, no, no uh, you're quite right. It's yeah. Lord, she's in her solar power era. She's ready for the song. Yes, as, as she should be. I, I hate the winter, too. That's why I live in Florida. Um, but we had a very, very fantastic show, I think. Um, we, we discussed a lot of great points about critical race theory ideologies in the classroom, critical race theory itself, uh, what the ban means for Florida. Um, you know, as our amazing guest Kelsey mentioned, that, uh, they, as, yeah, yeah, that, that it's not actually, it's just a rule. Um, it's not quite literally into effect yet, but you have to make sure you email your congressman or woman um, to make sure you're voicing out your opinion. Um, did, did I miss anything, Matthew? No, I think that was good. And, like, definitely, like, we really, like, discussed the fact that, you know, this is an ongoing conversation, right? Like, and the ways in which, like, we talk about race is constantly shifting, as Kelsey, like, like they mentioned, right? Like, the ways in which we all think about, like, racism, right? Like, we've gone from thinking about it as an individual thing to now thinking about it as, like, a systemic thing. And so, like, I think it's just really important that, like, as we as a society evolve and start growing about like the ways in which we talk about race like our educational institution should also grow right like we shouldn't be talking about race the same way we did in 2000 right like 20 years ago the way we do in 2021 right like i think like we should definitely be like growth evolution and i think it's like this is a really great opportunity with all of the things coming up now to have that conversation to be critical and to really like think about like what impact are we all making 
are experiencing on ourselves. Yeah, I think that's actually a wonderful segue um, to what I was going to say, which is how we can make an impact now. Uh, see what I did there? No. But to conclude the show, we do want to say if you're looking for more opportunities on Rollins campus or just in general uh, for social justice or for impact projects, please check out the Social Impact Hub, which you can follow at, on Instagram at Rollins Social Impact Hub. Um, or just make sure that you tune into our Impact Now radio shows, which are bi-weekly. So we'll be having one not next Friday, but the Friday after. Um, and what's going to be the show topic for that one? Um, well, right now we're thinking we're probably going to talk about the United Nations. So I hope you all tune in and enjoy it. Yes, perfect. Well, until then, thank you guys. And we hope that you learned how to make an Impact Now. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Impact Now. If you're looking to get in touch with us, our Instagram is at Rawlings Social Impact Hub. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can also hear us in Florida on WPRK 91.5 FM, the best in basement radio. Impact Now is produced by the Rawlings College Social Impact Hub. This episode was produced by Matthew Gaveau. It was written by Matthew Gaveau and Bobby Seckham.